Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Conversational Witchcraft with me, Dawn, the Kitchen Witch. I am like beyond ecstatic today because my guest is a very, very, very old friend, uh, someone who was really influential to me at a time when I needed um, so much help and so much uh, inspiration, and and he just transformed some of my ways of thinking. And and I just can't say enough amazing things. This is Matesh Kapadia. He is a transformation catalyst, executive coach, and communications expert. His gift is in meeting you where you are and showing you what's possible for you to be. He's worked with some of the brightest minds in Silicon Valley to help elevate their presence within their organizations. But at the core of his work is adapting mindfulness to everyday situations where you can transmute daily stress and breakdowns into sources of empowerment. I cannot say enough good things about this person. Mitesh, welcome to my kitchen. Welcome to hanging out. I'm just like, I can't stop smiling looking at you. Like I'm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I'm truly grateful, Don, for for this invitation. And it is, yeah, I mean, we haven't met for so many years, but we've been keeping in touch with each other and just watching and witnessing from from afar. And I'm also just very much amazed in, since we've last met, at what you've created for yourself and what you've been able to truly manifest in your own life. And that's been my inspiration just to just keep observing, keep following, keep watching. Thank you. Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And um, so a, a little bit of a little bit of backstory of how uh, Matesh and I know each other. Um, he was my yoga instructor for about a year. Um, and I, I started, um, it was a t- period in my life back when I was still living in New York. And I had been very sick for a really long time. I had found out about a lot of you know, the fact that I have celiac disease and all these like issues going on with my body. Um, and at the same time that happened, and you may or may not remember this, at the same time all that happened, my house burnt down. So I was in this transitional phase of my life where I was relearning food, relearning my body, and, you know, being rehomed in, in a temporary environment. And that was the year that I met Matesh. And I had been... I had practiced yoga before in my life and I was looking for something and there was a program at the gym. Do you remember this at Gold's Gym? There was this program where you could pay just for yoga and it was really fucking cheap. And I was like, this is great. It was like 20 bucks a month and all you did was go to the yoga classes at the gym. I didn't have to do anything else at the gym. I didn't need a full membership. That was it. And I was like, well, whatever it is, it's going to be great. And I started taking a couple classes with other people and I heard all these people talking about... Matesh, Matesh, classes with Matesh. Matesh is a genius. Matesh is incredible. And I was like, all right, who is this person? I don't, who's, who's Matesh? And then I come to that first class and I was blown away by the compassion you brought to the mat, by the way that you did. Like, again, I'm, I'm, you know, 
a little chubby meatball. And, and like, there was no judgment in that space. It was just be here now. And those lessons are things that I've taken from your classes, from yoga practice with you and brought them into the rest of my life. You'll never know how grateful I am to you for what you taught me in that one year of yoga. And then, and then we kind of became friends, right? Like I helped put away the mats and we would just sit and bullshit because everybody else would leave and we would just sit there and, and talk on the floor. Right. It was amazing. I, and I, you just need to know like how incredible you, your, your influence was to me. It's funny. I still remember your spot. You would sit to my left and like, right. <laughs> like two rows away, not, not right away, not close, but two rows away, just to my left. And I was like, that, that's Dawn's spot right there. And that was, so, it was like an evening class that we would meet at. And, uh, but I, I had no idea about what the, the struggles you were going. I mean, I had a general sense that there was something, but I, I had no idea about the specifics around it. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just grateful that, that we were able to connect through that. You know, even though that it was a painful experience that led you to, to this, you know, it brought a, a, across this friendship and really this bond that, you know, wouldn't have happened probably otherwise. I really like... Have, have you ever, like, I've never had, first of all, you've ruined me for all other yoga teachers for the rest of my life. And then when I moved from New York, because that was right at that time, I left New York and I stopped going, obviously, and I was trying all over to find classes up here in New England. I was like, nobody's Matash. You know, I had a really hard time finding a class with a teacher that resonated in such a spiritual way. Uh, have you had an experience like that on your end, either with a teacher or with a student that really impacted you in that way? Yeah. And, and well, one of the things, well, thank you. One of the things that I really appreciated about you is that you were just very receptive to, to learning and to understanding and to, and excited about it. Like there would be some people who come to yoga class and, and no judgment, but it was just like, they would come and just be very quiet and do their business and do their practice. And that's great. That worked for them. And with you, it was just, I remember like it would be the conversation around, okay, something more beyond the mat. And, and, and that's what I remember. I, I really remember that those, those conversations, those, those little moments before and after the class of, you know, Hey, this is beyond yoga. This is more, you know, I, really co-creating in that process aside from the, the yoga class. And, and yeah, I mean, there are classes and there are teachers that I've met and you kind of say, oh yeah, but then you recognize that whatever shows up in front of you is exactly who you need to see or you exactly who you need to meet in that moment. And uh, so for me, teachers have come and gone, but, but I, I do remember the ones that, that certainly have impacted my life significantly. So, what have you done? So we were just before we hit the record button, we were talking about how it's been at least 13 or 14 years since since we practiced yoga together. Um, I know what I've been up to. What where what are you doing? How did where are you now? And 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 what lessons have you taken with you from your days teaching yoga at Gold's Gym? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, well, even before I got to the yoga mat or the teaching yoga. I was, I started out as an engineer and I don't know if you know that, but I started I as an engineer. I did, and, but that's crazy. And I was working on Wall Street for 
a bit for working for Goldman Sachs. I, I tell the story. I went from Goldman Sachs to Gold's Gym in, you know, literally overnight. Yeah. Um, it was just something that was a calling for me at that time. And for me, I studied in India before. So I, the way I even got to yoga was that I, uh, I finished my master's degree and I had finished six months earlier than I anticipated. So I finished in December and then I had a job lined up for June. So I had six months to, to kill. And so I was thinking, what do I do? And what do I, you know, I could sit home. I had a couple of options. I could sit home and do nothing. I could, uh, you know, start my job early and just make that request. And I was like, no, that doesn't sound that great either. And what really lit up for me was traveling and to go somewhere. So I ended up going to India and went to a university in a remote part called Haridwar, which is like in Northern India and stayed at that university just to learn, not to get any sort of certificate, not to get any sort of, you know, accreditation or any of that, just to learn about yoga, holistic health. And that started my journey. Cause when I came back, I obviously started working, but I wanted more of it. So I studied then again, two years on and off with uh, a teacher, Sri Dharma Mitra, who's based in New York City, and he's still around. He's like in his 80, high 80s maybe, but he, he's probably more flexible than, than more of right. any, many of us. But, um, but I learned from him. And then that just inspired me so much that I was like, all right, I can't, you know, while I'm single, while I don't have any like big commitments right now, I can take the risk of just letting go hmm. of what I have and, and teach, do, do what I love. And that's how it started. And then I realized, you know, I did that for about four years. And then I realized that uh, there was something more that I was looking for hmm. and not just helping people with their physical, because every, every class I would teach at the very end of it, there would be a, a two minute monologue that I would offer that, you know, just words of inspiration, anything that, that came up in that moment, and I was like, you know, there's more to it. And I wanted to work with people on their emotional and mental challenges that they were, they were working through. And so I took a break. I, took, I went to India for a year, took a sabbatical and just, you know, volunteering for a bit. And I came back and, you know, at that time, I also met my, my partner, my now wife, uh, uh, Shakti, and she also inspired me like, all right, there, there, there's more gifts that I have that I can offer aside from just teaching yoga. And that got me into the communication space, the team building space, the, the corporate world again. Right. And, and really that's where it kind of launched from there. So you're taking this deep connection and love for sp spiritual, basically alignment, not to like plug your business, right? But like <laughs> the, 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 to, to take that, what you love about people connecting the spirit and the mindfulness and your, and, and the yoga, the yogic philosophies, right. Of, you know, ebb and flow and work together and, and breath and patience and meeting the soul where it is. And you're merging that with your corporate background right? And that engineer side of your brain. And, and so you're like really living right and left brain, spiritual, practical all the time. Is that incredibly rewarding? Yeah. And that's, that's a very astute observation from you <laughs> is that, yeah, there is that element of the spiritual end of things where there's not 
you know, you can't really look at it with logic through a logical lens, but then there's also that world that we live in the, you know, the real world that we live in and um, everything. I mean, I, it's spiritual in a sense, but when you look at it from perspectives, so there's one lens you can look at life at and see everything as energy. And then there's the other lens where you can see things as, you know, physical and here's what's happening right now. And then bringing them together and finding that there's so much more interconnectedness than we realize. People tend to live on one end or the other. But when you see that there is so much connectedness, there's so much that weaves from one perspective to another that you're just amazed. At least I'm amazed about how how it all fits together. And I'm still learning in my process as well. It's just incredible. Like, so you you chose to go back to India for the second time, right? For that sabbatical where you spent a year. Um, in the ideas of traveling, why did you choose India? Why did you choose the specific area of India that you chose and and what you chose to do there? Was there a specific calling or you were just like, I was there before and I loved it. And so I want to go back. Like, why that? You know, I, I have friends that are like, I want to travel and I'm going to go to Iceland or you know, Africa or wherever, like, why this particular thing? Hmm. Well, India just felt like home. Hmm. And the reason being is that I, I'm originally from India. I was born there, mm-hmm. but I, my family moved to Long Island, New York, when I was three years old. So I didn't have a lot of trips before that. I didn't have much connection with it, but I was very much aware of the culture Yeah, because I would be living it in Long Island. And, you know, when you're an immigrant and you come to this country for the first time, at least my parents, they were very uh, protective of the culture. And we would learn, you know, we'd go to different temples, different traditions and celebrate all of that here. And so there was this curiosity and it felt like curiosity, but at the same time, like a, like a coming back home. <laughs> and the, the first time I went, actually, the when I went to India, after my graduation was that I spent a couple of weeks just partying it up. I went to a place called Goa I went to, you know, celebrated New Year's and I was like, all right, I'm going to just get it all out of my system and, and do what whatever. Does, I need. What exactly does that mean? Well, that means, uh, yeah, well, just, you know, New Year's, lots of parties, alcohol, some drugs involved. Listen, and all, I grew up on, on very straight laced Long Island as well. So I know what the, what, what, what very, um, <laughs> please Long Island people don't write me letters, but like waspy Long Island weekends look like versus, yeah. Hey, I'm away and I'm college age and I'm with a bunch of other college age people and my parents aren't here. So <laughs> it's, exactly. a, it's a good time. <laughs> Exactly. So I, I took a moment to do that. And then I came, then I went to the the place that I went to to learn yoga. And I was like, all right, I needed to just get that out of my system so that I can be ready for, for this. And so that's why I went the first time. And so the second time when I went, it was more focused on, all right, I want to expand this part of the trip that that uh, that really affected me deeply. Mm. And so I went with that intention of just, just, doing some service, doing learning in the process and, and really just absorbing the culture, really just absorbing and being on that land. So that, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but like when you step on 
a different land. Even in, in the U.S., like if you go from New Jersey to California, you notice a difference. Totally. You step on the, <laughs> you step out of the plane, you're like, all right, this is a different vibe here mm-hmm. and different culture. Same thing in India. When I went there, it felt like home, and it felt like, all right, I'm I'm reconnecting with a part of myself which uh, I want to explore more, and that's that's really what it was. I mean, everything vibrates, right? And everything vibrates at at certain frequencies and different frequencies. And I think that there is, you know, something that we don't talk about that when you instantly click with somebody, they're vibrating at the same frequency as you are. When you step off a plane into a place where you're like, whoa, why does this feel like home? Like, or, or when you walk into a room and you immediately go, Ooh, this doesn't feel good. These things are not aligned with your own spiritual vibration. So that, that idea makes perfect sense to me that you, there's a part of you that is still vibrating with the space and the, the land and, and, and the energy of the place that you were born you know, mm-hmm. that you've been separated from for so long. And then you go back and that piece of you is like, hey, we're awake. We finally get to connect with the thing that the, the source energy. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That must have I'm, felt I'm, really magical for you. And it was. So India is just this magical place to begin with. And I don't know if you've ever gone to but but it's like on the surface, it looks like a lot of chaos. It looks like there's just so many things going on. And that's what most people see is on the surface. But underneath it all, there is this deep heart. There's this deep uh, connectedness that people have. Mm. And, and that's what drew me more is that, you know, you can, it doesn't matter if, you know, if I had an accent or not, or it doesn't matter if, you know, how I looked, but there would be this connection that you can create with people. And there's just so many people. <laughs> like There's just so many people. You can't avoid people in India. Yeah. That at some point you just run into, like the way I look at it, and I did the math on this, is that India is three times the population of the U.S., but three times is smaller in terms mm-hmm. of size and land mass. And so you have nine times, I mean, I don't know if I'm doing the math right, but it's like right. nine times as many people per place. So just imagine you're in your room by yourself, and now you have nine other people in your room with you. Right. That's what India is like. It's like everywhere you go, you see so many people. and But they're... But they're good at heart for the most part. And, and that's what I, that's really, really connected with me. So from that, that trip, that second trip where you were on sabbatical, can you pinpoint one thing or one moment that had the deepest impact on your journey into who you are now? Yes. And it was really in this act of service that brought me to just understand my gifts better. Mm. So there are projects that I was that I was doing that I never realized that actually I do now. Uh, there was one instance where just creating a, a, a video for somebody, uh, and that project itself, I got to learn so much about just video work and editing. And then not that I do that, but it helped me even in the work that I do now yeah. in creating the repurposing videos and things like that. But it was really just uncovering what I was afraid to look at. Because I, I, my personality at that time was if I didn't know a lot about it, I was afraid to do it. Hmm. And the minute that it, you know, people gave me the gift 
to serve them in that way. And that's the way I look at it is that that gift that they offered me and saying, hey, can you help me out in this way? Pushed me into a place where I was like, oh, I didn't know I can do this. I didn't know I can actually create a video. Or, And then another instance was like, there was a, a situation where they asked me to, to give a, a little demo or presentation to a group. And I thought, okay, it'll be like a small group or whatever, but it was actually a, a stadium full of 10,000 people. And I was like, wait a minute. So my, my heart was racing when I was speaking to that, that group of 10,000 people. But the minute I got up on that stage or the right before I, I reminded myself, I was like, Hey, I've spoken. And I've led yoga classes before for one person, one-on-one, 200 people. I've, I've done classes for it as well. I can talk to a thousand thousand. It shouldn't be that different. And and it really allowed me to build my confidence in that. Wow. So there's something about uncovering my gifts, uncovering the things that I wouldn't have necessarily found here in the U S or where I was at that time. Wow. And, and that's what I came back with. I was like, wow, okay. A greater sense of confidence and just recognizing, all right, there is a lot that I can do and a lot that I can be, be of service to people. If I just give myself that chance to see that as a gift and not like I'm doing this, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm an expert here or I'm, you know, this big shot or whatever that is, but it's just really, I see people who come in, in my life as a way of, you know, they're exchanging their gift of, Hey, co-create with me and I support it in whatever I bring, the talents that I bring and, and we make something happen out of it. And that's the, the perspective that I really got to see through that experience. Well, that's just, I think that's an incredible experience. And I think lots of people would, as you said, shy away from a fear-based experience that lots of people would say, oh, I can't travel or, oh, I can't throw myself into this thing that's scary. But I think when you do that and you allow yourself to be vulnerable to the process of, oh my goodness, I have this opportunity to speak to 10,000 people. I'm sure they were, the people are like, oh, we want you to give this talk. And you're like, sounds great. I give talks all the time. And then you walk in there and you're like, holy fucking shit. Right. And you are emotionally and spiritually bare. And it's not until you peel back and find that vulnerability and face that vulnerability and say, okay, well, in this moment, I have a choice. Either I'm going to go on stage and make a fool of myself and deal with it, or I'm going to make a fool of myself by giving into this fear. Which one do I choose? And that in itself is a spiritual like, level up, right? To say, I allow myself to be vulnerable, be in front of these people, and in so doing, I am helping them by showing them it's okay to be vulnerable. Like I'm doing it right now. I mean, and to peel that back and go, my strength is allowing people to see that it's okay to not be okay. Right? Like that's phenomenal. And even if it didn't work out or even if like I made a complete, you know, jackass of myself on the stage or whatever it would be, it, it's still the experience of saying yes to yourself in that moment and mm. you know oftentimes and i i'm learning this and continuing to refine this because oftentimes you know, i think a lot of everybody experiences this is that you come across something that you're not 
comfortable with. You know, in business, you know this, Don, and, and you know, expanding your own business and growing your, your brand, you're not going to be the expert on everything. You're not going to know every single detail. You're not going to have it all buttoned up you know, from the get-go. But to say, hey, can I at least take a step? Because it's like uh, this like, image is popping up for me. It's like you know, when you walk into a, a room and then this candle is far away, there's like a light, mm-hmm. really far away. From a distance, it looks very faint. But as you take a step forward, there's more clarity. As you take another step, the unknown becomes more clear. Mm-hmm. As you continue to take steps forward, then the, you get to the part of the room that's so lit up that you don't even notice the darkness anymore. You don't even notice the, the fears and the unknown. You just had to trust that walking towards that light was, was all that you needed to do. And everything else just goes away. Yeah. And that's, that's really what, what impacted me in, in all of these experiences so far. I love that analogy of walking towards the candle because fear fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of what if I don't like this part of myself, fear of maybe I'm going to disappoint somebody. We often don't get closer to that. We'll see it and we'll go the other way or we'll ignore it. And if we ignore it, it can that little flame can f- destroy everything if we're not paying attention to it, right? That fear, it can destroy our lives, destroy our relationships. But once we face it and get closer to it and and allow it to get to a point where we can see and understand what it is, it becomes beautiful and something that we can use and experience in a fuller way. What a beautiful analogy for like self-discovery. Like really, like yeah. And see, this is the kind of shit that you would throw at us at the end of a yoga class. And then you leave there going, what, what, so my, 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 all my muscles hurt and now I'm having this, you know, existential <laughs> meltdown. That's the beauty of you, Mitesh. Like you're just combining these things. It's just, it's just unbelievable. So you take all of this amazing insight that you've learned throughout the years in your travels and your teachings, and now you're taking it and you're helping businesses and individuals and like, but the core of that work is still this connection to spirit. It's still this, I feel like there's a, a, an understand, you, you approach things with an understanding of that spiritual self needing clarity and that that little bit is the missing piece to what most people are struggling to find. Would that be correct? Yes, in a way that, so what I'll say is that, you know, it's very easy to just look at what your eyes see and focus on that and saying, this is reality. And, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, there's more than what we can see. And, you know, when you even just go go through through the yoga sutras, there's like a a beautiful representation of what the mind is. And, you know, there's this logical mind, which is really the processor, the one that helps to, you know, figure out things and use your senses and use all these faculties that you have, like sight and and kind of process all of that. Then there's the memories, which are from the past. And, you know, really you can access as 
pattern matching and things like, okay, here's what happened in the past and things like that. And then there's the ego, which is really your protector of an mm. identity. And, you know, we create all types of identities, which is that, you know, I am this person or I am this, or I'm, you know, I'm a, a, a teacher or I'm a, you know, husband, wife, whatever that is, it has that identity. Mm-hmm. And when we, that's where most people end up living is this identity that they've created for themselves mm-hmm. and they can't see beyond it. And when, when I was able to kind of just notice that and, and meet that and saying, okay, here's what I'm defining for myself. But there are a lot of faulty definitions in that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a definition of, hey, I'm a failure or, hey, I'm not good enough or I'm, hey, I, I won't get that right. Or, hey, I'm, a, you know, even just culturally, I'm, I'm this first time immigrant in uh, at that time, Long Island, which was all like, <laughs> like you know, I know. Uh, <laughs> Asian and, and, and how am I going to fit in? You know, right. like identity that I created for myself, whereas I could have just looked at everybody as a human being, you know, and, and why I, de- I didn't create that. I don't know why at that time, but I could have just created an identity for myself. Hey, I'm a human being just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's where this, as where I'm going with this is that, you know, we, if we can see past these identities of what we created for ourselves, then you can see that there's so much more connectedness in this, that everything that happens, the, I, I fully believe that everything that happens in my life is there because I'm ready for it. Not because oh. I'm a victim, not because I, you know, manifested it because of some faulty programming or because of, uh, you know, I, bad circumstances that I grew up in, you know. I fully, I fully believe that we all experience things because the pain and the suffering sometimes does elevate us to get beyond something that we need to get beyond, whatever that something is. And, and it's usually our own resistance to meeting oh, ourselves. Yes. Oof. Oh my God. I feel that so hard. I was just having a conversation with somebody today and, and, you know, she's struggling with some stuff and she's got some ex-husband junk and she's got some family junk and she's dealing with all these things. And I was like, listen, I, I hate to tell you this, but that's life and it sucks. And we all have to deal with these things and they all suck. And it's hard. Life is hard, but we forget that we get to choose who we want to be in that moment. We forget that we aren't victims to those circumstances, as you said, that this is, yeah, these hard times, we get to choose how we respond to them. We get to choose if this comment from this person is going to infuriate me beyond my own rational capacity. We get to choose Will this comment from a nasty person ruin my day? And I think many of us, just like you grow up going, I have no idea who I am. I don't, I don't fit in anywhere. I don't fit in with my family. I don't. And and for most of the people that listen to this podcast, we're all spiritual beings. This is a witchcraft podcast. So we talk a lot about uh, different faiths, different spiritual paths, and so on. We most of us feel like we don't belong, and that's why we find these alternative ways of thinking and believing. But we get to choose how we how we respond, right? And that's sort of 
what you're, what you're saying, right? You are this spiritual bit and you are this logical bit and you get to choose the identity that you want to be the, the best or your favorite version of yourself is within your control. Right. Yeah. Bringing that up. I'm so glad that you, you brought that word up of choice uh, of choosing because yeah, I mean, that's, I feel like that's, that's spot on just, you know, we have a choice in any given moment. And this is what, when I, when you use the word mindfulness, that whole term is about that is about choice because yeah, essentially you have two ways to re- either react or respond to uh, an external circumstance. And most people, you know, we get into the reaction mode and that's fine. But after enough reactions, sometimes you build this way of thinking or, or this way of approaching and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to change up how I'm reacting to this and respond with choice with a, in a conscious way. And so that's what really mindfulness is from my perspective is you decide you're mindful of your circumstances of what's coming your way sometimes even catching it before you even have to experience it you start to notice the patterns coming your way and so all these depths of self-awareness start working for you versus working against you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's the idea is that making a conscious choice of in this moment and you know there are times where it can be a complete shit show and you can just be like you know what i'm gonna go in my reaction mode and and i'm happy with that i accept it there's no judgment there i'm gonna just do it but accepting all parts of you of hey the part that breaks down hey the part that that reacts or the part that is revenge revengeful or the part that you know wants to hit this person or do this person or do this thing but then you know, when all that settles down, you can come back to you and saying, you know, what's, what's my truth in all of this? There's right. the, the identity that I'm trying to protect, or is it a, a deeper part of me, which I can access and, and see that, hey, this was for my own good. Whatever experience I had right now, there's something in it that I had to learn about myself. There's something in it that allowed me to, to truly get a window into me mm-hmm. and that's really the gifts of, of all of the experiences that come our way hey guys i've just got to tell you all about the robin's nests or one of my absolute favorite shops uh, for everything for my metaphysical and spiritual needs. They've got gifts and crafts and potions and ritual items and books and books and books. Uh, Of course, candles and crystals and ritual wear. So, so many things to help you on your spiritual practice. Um, But what really makes the Robin's Nest special is the owner, Robbie Packard. She does so much to bring community and friendship and openness, welcoming people into her space at the Robin's Nest, but also into this spiritual space of anything, pagan, witchcraft, spiritual. Uh, You've just, if you're local to Massachusetts, you've got to go check her out. She's down in Bellingham, Massachusetts. Um, and if you're not local, please check them out online uh, at therobinsnestma.com. dot 
www.ellenbarnes.com. She's able to ship all over. She's able to get you what you need. She's available for questions. And of course, they have tons of online uh, workshops and classes and rituals. So really a way for you to connect with a spiritual community uh, right now from your home. Check them out, therobinsnestma.com. And send Robbie a little bit of love from me because when you when you meet her when you go to her shop you are going to be transported into a world of loving magic and community growth are you ready witches the ladies at that witch life podcast are hosting another incredible virtual con this one is called that witch life mini con the magic of astrology. It's a full day of virtual workshops focused on using astrology to improve your magic, spirituality, and your life. Special guest speaker, Michael and Brian of Oculus Astrology with a masterclass by Evo Dominguez Jr., author of the new Llewellyn Astrology series. There will also be classes on magic with Hilary Whitmore, Kanani Soleil, and Courtney Weber. Tickets go on sale March 6th. You can only get yours at thatwitchlife.com. Head on over to thatwitchlife.com and get your tickets now. I think you know about this, but I'll share it. Like I, I had a assault earlier this year and in, in May of this year, I was in Santa Cruz, California with my family. And, you know, we had all of us, our two kids, my wife, uh, our two dogs, and there's a boardwalk there in Santa Cruz, but dogs are not allowed on the boardwalk. And so we made the choice, conscious choice that, my wife and, and kids would go and do the boardwalk and you know, there's like, you know, attractions and games and rides and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, she would be with them and I'd be with the dogs. And so I took the dogs to the beach and, you know, took, did all these kind of things. And then uh, on the, because we had a long drive back, I said to my wife, hey, I'll, I'll pick up some food on the way back uh, before I pick you up. And so I ordered some Thai food and you know, I'm just a foodie at heart as well. So I, I, on the way to the Thai food place, I stopped at a falafel place to grab myself <laughs> just a quick falafel. I'm like, I'm have that. I like so, that you're pre-gaming your Thai food with falafel. Like that's, I would a hundred percent do that. But like, I need to pre-game my hamburger with tacos. Like absolutely. Definitely. Exactly. And so, so it was, but while I was having that, that falafel, because I had ordered the food and I said, all right, I'm going to go grab a falafel, eat, and then you know, I'll use the Thai food for, for dinner on the way, on the drive back. And, but I was sitting outside and, I, and then I noticed this gentleman just walked by with, you know, nicely dressed with a black jacket and, you know, like a suit type of thing. And just something called my attention to him. And it's like, okay, he walked by. And then I got back into the car after I finished the meal. And then I, as I was driving, I saw him again. He was pulling out from, like he was just walking the street. He was walking the street. And uh, I saw him walk out of like a gas station area. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's the same guy that I saw 
you know, earlier. And then I got to the Thai food place. And the minute that I stepped out of the car, that same guy I see coming from the corner of my eye literally walks up to me and says, give me your car or I'm going to kill you. And I was just like, you know, as anybody would be, I was just like, wait, what are you, did I hear that right? <laughs> and before I had a chance to even do anything or respond, he, you know, hit me on the side of my face. And, you know, then we battled for a little bit and, you know, I made a little commotion and, you know, the Thai food folks, they saw it, their door was open and they, you know, they called the police. And you know, for me, and I had the dogs in my car, so I opened up my, my trunk and that sort of, kind of scared them away because <laughs> there were dogs there. And, but I was like, oh, I don't want to make this a big deal for myself. Like, you know, this is nothing. And so I left the crime scene right after that. Not waiting for the police, not waiting for anything. I just left the crime scene. I was like, I don't want to make this a big deal because it's not a big deal, whatever, right? You know, you, you put this tough guy exterior and, and mask on. And then three blocks down the road, as I'm driving away, I see the guy again. And something in me snapped at that point and I said, all right, I can't let this happen to anybody else. And I also need to just free myself from this. So I drove back. And by that time, the police had gotten there. And I showed them that, hey, walk down that way. You'll see the guy. He's wearing this. So-and-so described it. And they were pretty quick to catch on to him. And it was the first time that I had actually shared a painful situation in that moment. Because so many times, I mean, I, you know, growing up, I, I shared a little bit earlier about being different in Long Island. I was called names. I was bullied. I was... Yeah, You know, a lot of things had happened to me in that journey. And it was always my response was, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm just going to keep it in me because if I make a big deal out of it, then either I'll get in trouble or there's some, nobody's going to understand. And, and that was my way of thinking. So when I got a chance to speak to the police officer, it gave me the like this breath of fresh air, like, hey, I can share this. I even talked to the person who was working at the Thai restaurant <laughs> and I talked to her about it. And then I spoke to my wife. I, you know, I, was, I picked her up, I shared it with her and then I shared it with the kids in the car, you know, like my nine-year-old and seven-year-old. And I, you know, they had like, you know, they were completely okay with me sharing that and I felt comfortable with them. And then, you know, I just shared it with so many people at that every time I shared it, the less power I mm. gave to the incident as being a victim. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, on the surface, I can look at it and say, hey, I was assaulted for me, look at me um, and, and see it as like this negative incident that scarred me for, for years. I, I mean, if I didn't open up at that point, I probably wouldn't have opened up for years to, to, to or told yeah. anybody, yeah, you know, and because that's just the way that I operated. But by doing so, I recognize that, hey, this was the gift. Because even before the, the falafel or the Thai food, I had dropped off, uh, I actually went to another Thai restaurant, but it was closed because it was like the afternoon hours, so they yeah. weren't open. Yeah. And so I thought to myself, I put all these pieces together and said, you know, I was meant to be here for whatever reason. 
even this person who assaulted me, and I have nothing against this person, but it's like there was some, on a deeper level, agreement that, you know, for him to do this, I received something, which is a window into me, into understanding. And then he also, you know, whatever he's working through, he received something through that incident as well. And, but the idea here is that I could have totally just went in that victim route and, yeah. and, you know, still hold it. And, and, and that's the cause of a lot of tension and stress for so many people is that we've gone through so many experiences. Everyone's gone through some sort of traumatic experience, little or big or, or whatever. It doesn't matter uh, to the degree of it, but we've all gone through things. And oftentimes, and this is in yoga as well as written in the, in the sutras is that, you know, disease and ailments start from the mental and emotional level. Mm-hmm. It manifests in the physical mm-hmm. much after, but whatever you're experiencing. So if you're holding on to some trauma and holding on to something that's deep within you, yeah, it's going to eat up at you. And it may not show up right away, but yeah. it will show up in some other way as like, aches in your body or you know maybe forms of some disease or something that shows up but it's there to show that there's something that is triggering it in in a way and so this person really I, i look at it as a gift because now it opened up a whole new way of working with clients even for me like you know not keeping things that are off top of like sorry uh you know, like untouchable topics. Like right now, like I, I've worked with clients that have gone through some some challenges and we talk about it. We explore that and using it as an outlet to release yeah. the emotion that's stored in there to kind yeah. of let it have an outlet. Otherwise it's like a pressure cooker, you know, you Absolutely. can keep it, in there, keep it in there and then at some point it's going to blow up in whatever way. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and I would like to first and foremost, thank you for sharing that with us, um, for sharing that with me. Um, it's not easy to talk about trauma. And it's certainly not easy to talk about uh, being the victim of violence. And although you don't have a victim mentality, you were still a victim of violence. Someone from somewhere came and did violence to you. Um, and that's never okay. And although you walked away from that saying, I feel like it was a gift for me to learn more about myself, it is in no way the fault of the person who has been victimized, you know? Um, and and I also want to thank you and, and congratulate you on being a, a man and, and, and a cisgendered man and coming and saying, I had this violent experience, someone committed violence towards me, and I'm talking about it because it was hard for me. It was a trauma for me. And I was taught to not talk about those things. I was taught that I don't want to draw attention to myself. It's no big deal. It's fine. Everything's fine. Because I will tell you, women deal with that all the time. All the time. We have acts of violence committed against us. You know, any people that are othered, right? So we can talk about that. You know, women, people of color, LGBTQ+, people that are marginalized and othered tend to have violent acts against them for no fucking reason. This guy just came over to you and punched you in the face 
and threatened your life because he wanted your car, you know, that's not okay. (laughs) You know, and that going back to these horrible things may happen to us. And we choose how we respond to the horror. You chose to say, I may have been victimized, but I am not a victim. I am a man, and this was traumatic for me, and it made me feel all these things. That vulnerability, going back to what you're talking about before, and peeling back the vulnerability, and peeling back feeling afraid to express those things, for you especially had to be hard right? Because of your upbringing, because of your cultural influences, because you're a dude, you know? Um, And let's face it, men don't generally talk about those things. Women will sit in rooms together and have little whisper conversations about horrible things that have happened to them and say, oh, I understand where you're coming from because this happened to me. You know, men don't generally have those conversations. So I want to thank you for being brave enough and strong enough to have that conversation, it's hard. And other people will hear that and appreciate. Your son heard that. And he says, it's okay to not be okay. It's all right to feel fear. It's all right to say this bad thing happened and I'm sad about it. And it made me feel these things. Thank you for that vulnerability. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's not okay, but the way you dealt with it and the way you're continuing to deal with it and help others through that experience is, is that's the gift, Mitesh. That's the gift. And uh, like I said, like, I appreciate you bringing that up is that, yeah, what this person did was not okay at all. You know, I'm not saying that he's without fault. He's actually, you know, without giving too much detail, you know, probably gone through a trial and will probably be jailed for you know, 10, 12 plus years or whatnot for not just to me, because there was another incident that he was also involved in on the same day. And he's probably dealing with his own, his own traumas and he's not dealing with them in the healthy way. And and that's that root of dis-ease and, and, you know, him, his hurt and his sorrow coming through in this way, because it's all he knows. And that's the only way he's able to deal with that. That doesn't make it okay. <laughs> it doesn't make it okay for for sure. And, and you know, obviously he's working through his own challenges. I, I don't know what goes on in his life. And for me, I know I can just speak to myself is that it actually gave me permission to cry hmm. so after I spoke to the there after I spoke to, you know, on the way to pick up my wife, I actually just broke down in the car driving. I was like, you know, how could this, happened to me like how could this be you know how did I end up being like I went through that whole victim mindset and, and just you know let it all out and, and good I'm like I was a mess yeah <laughs> good you should be if you weren't a mess there'd be something wrong you have to feel into that so you can get through it if you swallow it you never get through it and the the, the crazy thing is I probably hadn't cried like this gave me permission to cry. Like I probably hadn't cried for probably a decade or more. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't keep track of that, but it's like, I just didn't remember ever crying for such a long time. And then, you know, this allowed me to do it. And since then, since that incident, this only happened less than a year ago, but 
you know, there's been many other instances that I've allowed myself to just mm. tear up and, and allow myself to just be okay with the tears, be okay with the emotions that are processing because, you know, emotions are meant to be felt and to be experienced and to be kind of flow through you. The moment, moment you cut off those emotions, especially the, the negative ones, they're, they'll find other ways to manifest in your life. And the ways that you yeah. probably don't want to. Tears are much better than anything else that that may show up later. And that's yes. the way I look at it. That, uh, yes. <laughs> I'd rather have tears than, you know, have something come up later on in my yeah. life. Because I've, you know, just kept all that stress and tension inside of me. Yeah. And have a heart attack or have whatever that comes up later. And, um, but yeah, that, that was quite a journey for me to, to work through that in the way that it worked out. And, you know, obviously I had my own coaching and therapy that I worked through as well and had some conversation, but every time I spoke about it, every time it gave me permission to choose to be not the victim anymore. Mm -hmm. and because if I kept playing that victim mentality, it's the energy then, right? You just get sucked into that energy. And yeah. what comes up from that mindset is, you know, I want to do harm to somebody else mm -hmm. or I want to do, you know, something to prove myself or I want to do. And so it comes and it creates you to do things or causes you to think, do things that you probably normally wouldn't have done. Or it keeps you stuck. You know, we had that, that house fire. This was right before I met you and lost everything. And we were in this real transitional period and it was a, it was, um, 16 attached condos, right? So 16 families, homeless, like in minutes, right? Because the whole thing, you know, burnt down and had to be reconstructed. And it was terrifying. We were all in the homes when, when it happened. It was really, really terrifying. And, you know, after feeling the feelings and getting through it and being angry and being sad and being, you know, devastated because our whole lives are in upheaval, we were able to kind of step back and go, okay, now what? Now what? Right? And like you said, allowing myself to not be the victim, to constantly choose and say, this bad thing happened. It was awful, but I am not the victim to that. Now, how do you getting, and again, thank you so much for, for sharing all this, but I really want to bring it back to how this affects your work in the world and how you're able to help other people specifically you work with businesses and you work with individuals to kind of coach them through all of this inner garbage so that they can be successful in their chosen fields and their chosen way of life how does this impact that work yeah it it significantly changed the way that i I work with folks and for me, I always try to bring people back to what's your truth because there's a, the, the part of you that you take on programming or whatever that is and saying, you know, if, if this happens then I'm going to react in this way. And so I always go back to people and think, you know, what is your truth? Hmm. What feels authentic to you and taking the action. And if it means, you know, you know, putting a lawsuit on somebody, if it means that, hey, I need to stand up for myself or set boundaries, or if it means that, you know, not taking anybody else's garbage anymore, then that's what you do if that's your truth. But all too often, 
you know, we like even in simple examples, like a boss is treating somebody really bad mm. and, you know, making them work 15 hours or, you know, to kind of finish a project or deadline. And, you know, I've worked with folks who all I said is, you know, what is it that is true to you? Mm. And, you know, very shortly they set their boundaries and saying, Hey, I'm, I'm only doing this much for this, you know, until, you know, unless you compensate me for more or whatever it is. And just having that conversation empowers them and changes the way that they react to a situation. Yeah. Relationships in general are, are challenging. And when it comes to, especially these work dynamics, so many things come up from aggression, microaggressions, passive, you know, aggression, whatever that is. And we sometimes are just afraid to use our voice to stand in our power and to recognize that we deserve more than we feel like we give ourselves credit for. And just so that little tweak helps people so much. And that's what I, for me in that moment uh, of my assault, it was like just standing up for myself and saying, hey, I matter, that I need to say something about this, I need to do something about this. Just using my voice was the, the catalyst. Uh, and that's where you know, I, I've been working with people for a long time on making presentations and communication and working on their, but this added this extra layer to it of, you know, st- speak with conviction yeah. behind what is your truth, not just speaking to wow a crowd or to make a presentation yeah. or to give a keynote or whatever that is, but find that conviction of what really is important to you, what matters to you. And that is going to lead to a place where you feel more empowered at the end of it. I think that's like the best advice for anybody, you know, Again, on this on this podcast, we tend to talk a lot about spirituality and spiritual practice and things like that. But I am also an entrepreneur. And part of the struggle of being in any kind of business and being the leader in any kind of business or you're the leader in your home or in your family dynamic is finding those places where you are being true to you, authentic to your own beliefs. Um, and really understanding your identity, the real one, not the one you're pretending about or, you know, realizing who that is and and, and where those boundaries are. Um, and, and so, you know, being able to take all that and apply that to someone like me as an entrepreneur and say, lead from the heart, who are you? Why are you doing these things? You know, for you to be able to go into businesses and teach people this kind of spiritual emotional, energetic, uh, self-awareness and how to apply that in a real practical environment, in the workplace, in the home, in, you know, team dynamics. That's freaking outstanding. Don't, isn't that what we all need? Like if, if you took all these like bajillion billionaire companies and actually sat down with those CEOs and were like, why are you being such a dick? Like, just find your spiritual purpose and clear out the noise. I think so much of that would function so much better and, and people would be happier in the world to be a better place. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I, I believe so as well. I, I think, uh, you know, we end up doing things from a place of, 
trying to make others happy. Like, you know, even the biggest CEOs, sometimes they're trying to just make their investors happy to make the shareholders happy, yeah. trying to make, you know, and, you know, then they make decisions based on the pressures and the fears of like, if I don't do this, then I will be seen in this way or I'll, you know, I will, whatever it is. But there's very few people that, that actually stand by their principles and lead what I like to call conscious leadership. And this is, this is the work that I'm getting into more now is really sharing about conscious leadership, which is not just about, you know, leading an organization, but, but leading it through communication, using your voice, leading it by, and speaking your truth, speaking your, what is deep and true for you and still acknowledging, Hey, I have these pressures. I have these things coming my way, but this is what feels right for me to make this decision. And, you know, working with empathy, working mm. with integrity, you know, who are the, the people on the receiving end or the employees that you're leading and how is it going to affect them? And really having this holistic view versus a narrow perspective of, okay, I need to make my numbers and I'm just going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's the whole idea of conscious leadership is truly stepping into these aspects of you that you can bring together and lead from a place of your truth, lead from a place of integrity, lead from a place of where you can stand behind versus, you know, just leading to impress or leading to, you know, I'll call it in a very masculine way of like trying to achieve a certain result. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a more, uh, feminine approach, I guess you can call it, where it's like you you go within and then you match that with your masculine. First start with that that part of what's internal mm. and then bring it outside versus trying to let the outside affect how you mm. you know risk do the things on the outside. <laughs> so. Yeah, you're 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 being um you know proactive to your your ideal and not reactive to you know what you're not responding to things you're creating your own reality whether that is in business or relationships or whatever it's looking at your your truest self and your best version of yourself or your favorite version of yourself and creating the world around you for that instead of going well when this when i get this thing or this external thing happens then i will create the world you have to create it from here first. And that is powerful because, you know, most people feel like in order to gain power, they need to do something and achieve something in order to get power. But really power comes from, you know, taking that step towards that candle, that, that, that light that you Love really it. are holding on to and taking a step towards that and saying, okay, this is my truth. This is what I need to do. And things may blow up things may not go the way that you want to think but if you stick with that and trust yourself when you get out of the end of that you'll be like i'm so glad that i trusted myself i'm so glad that i listened to my deep voice my inner calling i'm so glad that i did that because imagine if you like i mean i've had these situations where I didn't listen to my inner knowing. I didn't listen to it. And I look back at it, I'm like, I'm such a fool. I like shoulda, you know, shoulda, shoulda. I should have done, done that. And, yeah. And, but when you stick to it and then you come to the end of that, most people don't think it's this the short term result that they're looking for. 
and they go for but they don't look at the long game. Yeah. That when you follow your heart, you follow that, that inner calling, the long game is much more set up for like this true embodiment of your power. And, and you, you feel power. You may not be the title of yeah. CEO, you may not be the title of whatever title, a king or, or even manager or whatever it is, but you will feel powerful. Well, and you have more stamina because you're not coming at it from a place of external gratification. You're coming at it from, well, I know I can stick to this because this is who, this is my integrity. This is who I am. This is my identity. This is my truest spiritual self, as opposed to going, well, I'm not sure. So I'm just going to do things to please other people. When you're doing it that way, you're going to give up or you're going to change course or you're going to be not sure you're going to drop off when you're leading from a place of authenticity and integrity, because you know yourself, it's a lot easier to keep going because you already, you've already done it. You, you know, you, you, you're living it on a daily basis. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, I, I love the analogy of the candle and, and I just think, I think you're amazing. And I think the work that you're doing to help people like me and other businesses and people in, in all kinds of different um, team dynamics and bring this, these ideas to the forefront of their mind and making people more conscious um, and, and self-aware. Um, it's these little bits, Mitesh, that change the world. So really, you're amazing. Appreciate it, Don. I'll, I'll leave with one more analogy that I've heard, uh, it, which resonated with me, and I'll pass it on. Uh, is that, you know, consider this whole world like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm. And, you know, if we just be our piece, the puzzle fits together. But if we try to be any other piece, like somebody else, or, or want what they have, or have those curves, or have those, that whatever, you know, shape to that pu puzzle piece, it doesn't work. And that's what we all need to do really to find long lasting peace and fulfillment and power with, within ourselves is just be our peace and whatever that is. And that's the hardest part. That's the journey. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight, but mm -hmm. uh, I don't want to elude anybody, but it, it does take self-awareness introspection of who, what puzzle piece are you? What are you holding? Because when you become your puzzle piece, there's so many other pieces that can fit with you and work with you. And you get to like really expand the, the completeness of this puzzle. I just think that is brilliant. And I'm going to bring that to my team. Uh, we just had a bunch of our, our, our quarterly meetings going into the new year. And, um, you know, that is definitely something tomorrow. I'm going to be like, Hey guys, let's all just <laughs> work on being our own puzzle piece. And then we'll all fit together as opposed to, trying to be something that we're not as individuals and as a corporation, like as a company, let's just be our piece. I love that. Mitesh, unbelievable. Where can people find out more about you? How can we contact you? Where can people find you if they want to hire you to be a coach for them? Yeah. So my wife and I, we have uh, spiritualalignment.com. That's the name of our company. It started as a blog and then a yoga center. And now it is uh, really a, a place where you can come, uh, whether it's coaching or whatever it is, but it's spiritualalignment.com. Uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn. Just look up Matash Kapadia. There's only a few of us out there and you'll find, you'll find me. But 
that's where we are. And you know, spiritual alignment is really about helping people come back to themselves, to their truth. And, Amazing. and that's the vision that we started with. And that's continuing to be the vision. No matter how the businesses evolved from a blog to a yoga center to whatever it was to now, and it will continue to evolve, but it's really helping people to, and supporting them in that journey of come back to yourself. And when you do that, a lot of good things happen. Amazing. That's spiritualalignment.com. And we're going to put all of that information in the liner notes for this episode. So you can just hit that and click and go visit Matesh. Uh, he's amazing. And we are going to have Shakti on the show uh, in a couple of weeks. So, yeah. so we'll get her, you know, ying to your yang, so to speak, and, and get her perspective on the work that you guys are doing from from her side of it. So that's really exciting to have you guys both coming on and having these conversations about mindfulness and spirituality and in these different ways. Matesh, it's just been absolutely amazing to have you on the show. And before I let you go, I have to ask you the question I ask every guest that comes on the show. It's the last thing, I promise. And has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. So if you were to have me as a kitchen witch make you one magical meal, what would it be and why? I would say if a variation of like a, like a pesto pasta that you, a vegetarian one, you know, I don't, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat meat, but any, anything that you would put together, pesto pasta is really something that, that calls me. <laughs> Whatever reason, I don't know why, but I would trust that uh, I'd be good in good hands if you're, you know, making something like that. I love it. I love it so much because I know where you grew up. So I know that there, there's definitely like a lot of like Italian American influence on Long Island. And you're probably like, man, I can't get, I can't get good pesto in California. So like, <laughs> that's exciting. I love that. I would make you like a, be- you, you eat cheese though. Yeah. Cause you're ve- yeah. not vegan. So I make you like a beautiful pesto, but I would do like mixed vegetables. So I would do lots of basil. I would do spinach and arugula and tons of garlic and lemon and then it would put it on like spinach fettuccine for you and cover it in parmesan cheese too bad we live on uh, opposite coast i'd be over <laughs> right <laughs> listen anytime you are out if you're near boston i'm like a half hour from boston so if you're out this way you just let me know and i will make that happen for you my friend i will i'll, I'll take you up on that offer please so good to chat with you. Uh, thank you again, uh, Matesh from spiritualalignment.com. And until next time, everyone, I wish you so many blessings and so much gratitude. Mm-hmm.